Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil which they have done, and that they have turned to other gods. Now therefore, write down this song. And this song that we're going to look at tonight is is, uh, chapter 32, which is a song of Moses. We'll look at that shortly. He says, write this song and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be what? A witness for me against the children of Israel. How amazing is your love? Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob reviews the last part of chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, and in the next three series, he analyzes the song of Moses in chapter 32. God not only told the children of Israel of their impending disobedience, but then gave them prophetic messages on the consequences of those actions. Today, we too, as followers of Jesus Christ, should continue to study God's Word so that we don't stray from His will for our lives. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Last week, we got into Deuteronomy 31. We got about uh, not quite halfway through. And so we're going to finish Deuteronomy 31, and we're going to get into chapter 32, which is really a song of Moses, and we're going to read that entire thing, and it's quite lengthy, and, um, and then the following week we'll be probably finishing up our time in the book of Deuteronomy. It's been a wonderful journey. I don't know about you, but I've been so enriched by going through Deuteronomy. I, I, I've, I've fallen in love with this book more than I ever have, and one of the things that I think is so wonderful about it is just the prophecy that is contained within it, because as we're going to read tonight... Uh, the book of Deuteronomy is filled with prophecy, filled with things that God has told the children of Israel that were going to come upon them, things that he, told, he knew in advance, and he knew their hearts, for God knows the hearts of every human being. I love the fact that he is omniscient. He knows he can't learn anything about you. He can't learn anything about your past. He can't learn anything about your future. He knows as it as if it has already been completed. He could write it all down in a book for us and deliver it to us if we would like, but we'd probably all be scared to death to know when our time is ending because nobody wants to know that. But thank you, Jesus. If you're one of his, you don't need to worry about your departure from this earth. Whether it's through sickness or whatever, you'll be in his arms. And if we're here during the rapture, we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye and then brought up to him. And either way is fine with me. I just want my, uh, I want to die in my sleep after a large dinner. 
you know, just like some kind of like brain aneurysm where I just, and that's just over, you know, and then you wake up in glory. It's not too bad. It's not a bad, not a bad gig. So, but tonight, let's open up to chapter 31. Um, in order to get the context again, um, I'm just going to read the first 13 verses. Before. We're going to pick up in verse 14, and, uh, but let's read the first 13 verses just to get the context again. It says, Then Moses went out, or went and spoke these words to all Israel. Remember, they are at the edge. They've been sitting there at the edge on the, on the eastern side of the Jordan River. They've been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, and now it's time for them to go in and take possession. But God has some unfinished business to do with Moses, and he's got some unfinished business and general exhortations, accountability, to speak into the lives of his people before they cross over. Because they will be in a land of giants. They will be in a land of difficulty. They are going to more than ever need to rest in God's goodness and grace, and they are going to need to learn how to uh, resist the, the pull of the world within their own hearts. And so God is going to make them extra accountable. And uh, so let's just read it. It says, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in, which is just another way of saying I'm just not as flexible as I used to be. I, I can't really get up and move around like I used to. And for 120 years, I can say, no kidding. <laughs> so I can no longer go out and come in. Also, notice, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites and their land, when he destroyed them. The Lord God will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. And if you remember, that commandment was to destroy everyone and to not take any prisoners. They were to go into the land, and they were to destroy every single living soul. They weren't able, they weren't supposed to, to hide anything. They weren't supposed to um, take anybody captive. They were to wipe out everything. Certain nations, those seven nations specifically, he said, don't leave anything Wipe out everything, man, woman, and child. He says, then he goes on in verse 6, says, Be strong and of a good courage, and do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you, and he will not leave you nor forsake you. And doesn't that sound like the words of Christ in, the, in Matthew 28 when he says, you know, go and uh, uh, make disciples of all nations, teaching them whatsoever things I have shown you and you've heard of me, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, I will be with you to the end of the age. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love that about the Lord. And then in verse 7, he says, Then Moses called Joshua, and he said to him, addressing him in front of all of Israel, he says, Be strong, Joshua, and of a good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Again, 
and encouragement and exhortation. Joshua, don't be afraid. It's very natural to be afraid. You're going to be the new successor. You're going to be the new leader. It's going to be fearful. You're going to go into a land that you've never experienced before. It's a new beginning. A new beginning, Joshua. Don't be afraid. I'm with you in it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. And I love it again. He says, he will not leave you nor forsake you. God will not leave you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. And so Moses wrote this law, verse 9, and delivered it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, at the very, excuse me, at the end of every seven years, at the appointed time and the year of release, and that year of release, you remember, was whenever there would be a Hebrew slave or a bond slave or a worker of any kind, after six years, they were to serve, and then the seventh year, they were to go free. So it was a jubilant time. And every um, 49 years, they would have what they call the year of jubilee, and lands and um, not only slaves but, or, or bond servants, they would go free, but also in the year of jubilee, the 49th year, of every, and they had a schedule for these things that lands would return to their former owners, and that way it would keep all the land in, in, the, in the tribes so that the land would stay the possession of Israel's. And he says, And at the end of every seven years, at the appointed time in the year of release, at the Feast of Tabernacles, which is just a commemoration of God's faithfulness to them as they went through the wilderness, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God, notice, in the place where he chooses, and first it, is, it seems that the Lord allowed the, the tabernacle to be set up in Shiloh, and it was there for many years until David had it in his heart, moved it from Shiloh to Jerusalem, and there it sat in the tabernacle until his son Solomon would build the temple. David, of course, providing all of the materials and getting the blueprint from God, and so all Solomon had to do was execute the plan. All the materials were there, the blueprints were there, the workers were ready to go, and Solomon, being a very young man, was able just to execute what God had told his father David to do. So at the Feast of Tabernacles. So when all Israel comes to hear, to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, which we know is Jerusalem, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. And that's not just, uh, not just the Ten Commandments, but probably he meant to read this law, probably meant through the, all Genesis through uh, Deuteronomy, the whole entire thing because that is considered the Torah or the law, and they would read that every seven years. And what a good thing to remind themselves of God's faithfulness. And also the accountability, again, for each generation. Every seven, you know, every, um, um, every seven years they would, they would read that. Gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear, notice there's the word Shema, which means hear with the intent of doing something, and that they may learn, the idea is goading, to learn, to fear the Lord, and it's a process, isn't it? To fear the Lord your God and to carefully observe all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear again, may they Shema, and learn and fear and learn to fear the Lord God as long as you live in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. And now in verse 14, let's read it from that to the end because that's the portion that we're going to look at tonight. And it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of meeting that I may inaugurate him. 
So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting. And now the Lord appeared in the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood above the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers. And he's probably saying, Amen, I'm 120. (laughs) And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land where they go to be among them. And they will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them. And they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil which they have done, and that they have turned to other gods." Now, therefore, write down this song. And this song that we're going to look at tonight is, song, is uh, chapter 32, which is a song of Moses. We'll look at that shortly. He says, write this song and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be what? A witness for me against the children of Israel. When I have brought them to the land flowing with milk and honey, of which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and filled with themselves and grown fat, when they will turn to that, I'm sorry, then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. Then it shall be when many evils and troubles have come upon them that this song will testify against them as a witness, for it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants. For I know the inclination of their behavior today, even before I have brought them to the land which, of which I swore to give them. So therefore Moses wrote this song in the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. Then he inaugurated Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and of a good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land of which I swore to them, and I will be with you. And so it was. When Moses had completed writing the words of this law in a book, When they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. For I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. If today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, how much more after my death? Gather to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their hearing and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will become utterly corrupt and turn aside from the way which I commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days. Notice that. Because you did evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. So we're going to stop there, and let's just go back and look at verses 14 through the end. This is really an incredibly... A prophetic passage, this uh, section from verse 14 to the end of chapter 31, because the Lord is going to be speaking about the things that they are going to do, about he knows that their rebellion, what is in, in their heart. And so he says, then the Lord, verse 14, said to Moses, behold, the days approach when you must die. Isn't that nice to know that your days are approaching, Moses? And God, just as he did with his older brother Aaron, um, on the top of Mount Hor, where he was buried, God knew the exact time when his time would be done, and he also knew the time when Moses would be departing and Joshua would be his uh, successor. 
He says, Behold, the days approach when you must die. So call Joshua and present yourselves, the two of you, in the tabernacle of meeting, that I may inaugurate him. So Moses and Joshua went, and they presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting. And so what you really see here is, is just, again, um, the, the passing of the baton, the passing of the torch, like a relay race. You know, God is not finished, but Moses, his time is finished. And God is going to be raising up another younger man to take Moses' place. And you know, when you look at any movement, whether it's in the church or even in secular businesses, especially if it's a family business, these kinds of things are very normal. They're very healthy to occur where there's a handoff. Something has been built up and, and now it's being given over to the next. So it's very normal and healthy for there to be a handoff. And we also need to guard ourselves, especially if you're one who is handing off something to someone else. We always have to be careful that we don't think of ourselves as being uh, indispensable. You're valuable to God and and your ministry to him, but don't think that the the sun rises and sets in you and and the ministry that he's called you to to do. Because there's coming a time when you are going to get older and that, that ministry has to be passed on to the next, Joshua. And it's so important to not have a tight grasp. And so many ministries today, because of the pride of men, unfortunately, in, 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 in many ministries, and even in the world especially, we, we can understand it in the world, because a man builds an empire and he's so reluctant to give it to his son because his son doesn't have the experience. He didn't build it from the ground up like his father did. So there's a, a little bit of bitterness, a little bit of um, entitlement and, and so, and even in the church, we see these kinds of things happening where perhaps a pastor, is time, it's, time, it's time to move on. And instead of thinking ahead of time and, and, and planning ahead of time, he waits to the very end and then it becomes a calamity. Then the church itself is in, a, in distress and everybody gets upset and there's church splits and hurt feelings and unfortunate things. But if the ministry dies with you, It probably wasn't of the Spirit of God to begin with. It was probably just a strong personality, somebody who was very gifted, maybe a gifted speaker, maybe a gifted, maybe very charismatic, whatever it is. But if if the ministry dies with a leader, then that ministry probably wasn't led by the Spirit of God because God is in it for the long haul until he returns or until um, death take us. And it's important that we pass along the baton. You know, there's an old phrase, I heard it from a song, it says, you can kill the workmen, but the work must go on. You can kill the workmen, but the, the work must go on. And so as we see in Moses, him passing the baton to Joshua, we, we also have seen this throughout the Old Testament. We see it with Abraham. Abraham, and then finally the God giving him promises, and then God uh, giving him children, giving, uh, giving him Isaac. And then Abraham passing along everything to his son, all the promises, all of the stuff. And then for Isaac, and then to, to go to Jacob, and the promises are going to now go to him, and all of his father's stuff when he passes gets passed on to his son. And we see that, and it's all good. And we look at other times when you look at Saul, the first king of Israel, and then you look at David, who was the second king of Israel. Did things go well in that transition from Saul to David? They did not, did they? It should have gone well, 
There was a time when God approached Saul and says, Saul, because of your disobedience, you've been disobedient from the very beginning, Saul. And it repents me that I've even made you king. Now, God knew. It wasn't any new information that God was getting. He knew exactly what Saul was going to do. But he gave him the opportunity. And see, that's the difference. Saul was not some kind of robot. Saul had the ability to make his own choice. And God gave him, just like he does everybody, an opportunity to come to him and obey him and to do the right thing. But we know that Saul was not that kind of person. Saul wasn't a very good leader, and the transition from him to David was difficult. It was very difficult. God had already planned and says, I've taken my, my, the kingdom away from you, Saul, and I've given, or not, given it to somebody better than you. I've given it to David. And now David's a hunted man, and who knows how long David was running for his life in fear of Saul. And we'll, I'm looking forward to getting to that when we get into Samuel. But it wasn't a very good transition. What about David to Solomon? That was a pretty decent transition. David provided everything. David knew that God was going to give, allow them to have a permanent structure instead of a temporary one that they would carry around. In the place that he chose, he chose to build a temple. He gave to David the blueprint. He gave to David the the means to, well, the gold and the silver and the brass and, and, and all of the jewels, everything that he needed, the the skins of the animals, the, the artisans. To accomplish those things, the talent was there, the workforce was there, the materials were there, the, the, the blueprint was already there. And what a great transition, what a great story, even though it's not a story. I hate that word. It's history. <laughs> I love the fact that it's such a great, great thing. Glory be to God. By the time Solomon, as a young boy, came to the throne, everything was done for him. And what a great shepherd David was. He went in before and he, he cleared out the rocks. He cleaned out the weeds. He even told his son, son, I want to tell you about some people you need to be careful of because they're going to be a detriment to your kingdom. They're going to be a detriment to the people of God. And here are their names. And he lists them. He says, you better be careful of this guy. In fact, you know what? When you get a chance, you need to kill that guy. <laughs> and hey, that's what happened. I'm not going to make an apology for it. But it was a good transition. Also, Elijah and Elisha, another good transition. What about Paul and Timothy? Another good transition. Paul preparing this young protege, Timothy, for many years and then finally departing and writing those epistles, First and Second Timothy, and, and then the, the epistle to Titus, those wonderful pastoral epistles. You know, it's important for us to for this to be thought out in advance and purposeful so that the work of the Lord does continue without shock to the body of Christ. And we look even in recent recent history, we see the transition from uh, Pastor Bill Gallatin to Scott Gallatin. That was a little bumpy, but it was just because the people were so uh, fixed on Bill Gallatin that they didn't really think that his son could really fill it. And what a wonderful job Scott is doing. And then I think of what Bob Chappell, his... uh, Transition was a little rocky too, but his ended because, because he passed away. But God was preparing Micah. And I think of just even our own story here, you know. You know, that went very, very well. You know, Pastor Jeff had prepared me, unbeknownst to me, through the Spirit of God uh, for many years. I didn't even know it at the time. Didn't know it. Was completely clueless in Seattle. And I'm really glad that I was because I was very content. 
leading worship and, and doing the things that I did. I was very content with the radio program and doing the things that I get to do and the, the many things. But the Lord had a plan. And Pastor Jeff, I know, and Linda. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.